Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. Over? Nothing is over until we decide it is. It's time for the Chicago Blackhawks postgame show on the Blackhawks Radio Network. Here's Joe Brand. Another strong start, but unfortunately not the finish that the Blackhawks wanted or needed as they fall in their homestand finale against the Montreal Canadiens in the home for the holidays matchup against a couple original six teams. They fall 5-2 to two tonight from the United Center. I'm Joe Brand. This is the Blackhawks postgame show. We're taking you up to 11 o'clock tonight as we recap this Hawks loss. One more game before the Christmas holiday. It'll be a quick turnaround as the Hawks travel down to St. Louis to take on the Blues tomorrow evening before the Christmas holiday. So let's quickly head on up to the radio booth and bring in our pal Troy Murray. He was on the call with John Wideman tonight. And Troy, you were saying how that you felt that uh, the Hawks didn't have the full 60-minute effort tonight that they did against the Colorado Avalanche. There was definitely a chunk of this game where the Hawks did what they needed to do, but what what was missing when Montreal grabbed a, a one-goal lead and then kind of took off from there? What was missing from the Hawks game in your eyes? Good question. And, I, you know, you can't really pinpoint it, but Montreal just did an excellent job of defending, and I think in some ways it started to frustrate the Blackhawks, and they just... You know, every time they chipped it in, it seemed like they weren't getting aggressive enough on the forecheck. They weren't spending time in the offensive zone. Montreal did a, an excellent job defending. Didn't really give up too many quality opportunities to the Blackhawks after they took the lead in this game. And, you know, for the Blackhawks, I think it's going to be disappointing that they had the two-goal lead and, and weren't able to sustain that. And that third goal of the game, the first goal by Montreal, is, is a big, big goal. You're up 2 nothing. The next goal is huge. Montreal, if he, if they get it, they're right back in it. If Chicago gets it, they're up 3 nothing, and maybe that's the, the breaking point for Montreal to say, okay, we're heading in on our break. So give credit to Montreal that they stuck around. They finally got the way back into the game. I thought their defensive structure um, at, at times in this game were it was not very good. They, they Montreal broke down some of their structures. You got caught a couple times with, with two guys in the, in the same corner, and I think for Kevin Korczynski coming back into the lineup, um, you know, he, he sometimes less is more, and he likes to skate, and sometimes he ends up, you know, heading towards the puck, and that's just kind of, you know, his natural instincts. But, you know, if you if it's not your corner and if it's not your guy, then you've got to hang out in front of the net, and I thought that they, the Montreal Canadiens exposed that area a little bit where the Blackhawks lost their structure. That's interesting because what you're talking about where the Hawks were lacking and Montreal kind of gained steam, it seemed like that was what we were seeing in the beginning of the game. Montreal was doing a, a good job. They didn't have a lot of high-quality chances, but they were just they, they were winning the, the shot battle. They were uh, controlling even, the, the play. Yeah, yeah. And even when the Hawks had the puck in Montreal's zone, they, they never really got a shot off, but they were keeping the puck over there. They were limiting the damage. But, but yeah, it seemed like, once again, it took a lot for the Hawks to control the game, and it looked good. They were able to do it, but it was only for a short amount of time. No, sorry, just uh, there was a, a fan that came up here looking for something, and it was, he was lost his phone, and he found it. So, Oh, no. You know, yeah, I mean, happy holidays to him. I mean, he's, <laughs> he's one happy camper. gives us the thumbs up. 
Um, you know, I, yeah, I think that, you know, Montreal just, uh, this is a team that, that knows how to shut down. They know how to play close games, and, and the Hawks are still learning that. And, you know, you're up 2 nothing. Got to make sure that you make the plays that are in front of you. And you give Montreal credit for for working their way back into this game. But I, I think some of the things that the Hawks did in the, in the game against the Avs, they just didn't do that that here tonight. And, and and again, you know, give Montreal credit. They they were smart. They chipped pucks out. They didn't turn too many pucks over when they, they ended up getting the lead. And, you know, for the Blackhawks, you end up skating a 1,000 miles, chasing the puck around, not getting anything accomplished. I don't think we'll be seeing the dramatic post-game comments from anyone from Montreal like we saw uh, from Devon Taves the last time an opponent was here at the United Center. Yeah, they're going to be pretty excited about this heading home. And, you know, three out of four in the last two games back-to-back, losing in overtime to Minnesota. So, you know, good for Montreal. They're, they're hanging around in the Eastern Conference, and you never know what happens. They get healthy, get some guys back into the lineup, and, uh, you know, they could push for a playoff spot. They were apparently blasting Mariah Carey in the dressing room after the win. So they're already getting off the festive holiday spirit. (laughs) Wouldn't be my choice, but... (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I I would say it would be mine. I'm I'm a big fan of the Mariah Carey holiday edition. Um, Well, that's true. That's true. (laughs) Last thing, Troy, I mean, because how astounded we've been by his play over the past couple of days, but you really hope that Colin Blackwell's okay. That was a little bit of a nasty spill he took towards the end of the game. Did we see him the rest of the game? I'm trying to remember, out? and I, I can't. I, yeah, I, I, I don't think. I mean, you know, when you're chasing the score, you're not probably going to see a whole lot of him towards the end of the game, but after he got hurt, he came out for a little spin, and then I don't think, I don't remember seeing him out there, so yeah, we, we hope that he's going to be okay, and that's not a reoccurrence of some of the uh, difficulties he's had here in the last little while trying to get himself back in the lineup. And I, I thought in this game, again, he was very noticeable in what he was doing. Excellent on the penalty kill. Set up a, a great goal by Jason Dickinson. Uh, you know, it'd be a, it'd be, again, it'd be a big loss um, for him, especially after, you know, working so hard and, and taking so much time to making sure that he was ready to go and then have something like this happen, you know, could really be devastating to his psyche. Yeah, the scary thing was it was it was non-contact. It was just it was all him trying to make a move on Gooley. So that's that's the scary part. Yeah, and you know he ended up stepping on the stick of of Gooley. You can you can see it in one of the replays there. Oh, okay. He just kind of poked at it, and when you know the stick came under and he and he stepped on it, that's when he kind of buckled where you don't have the traction there, and everything kind of just releases. So hopefully that awkward little stumble that he had there, you know, just didn't pull something or rip something, tear something again. Okay. All right, Troy, we know you got to get to St. Louis and play that quick turnaround game tomorrow. Do you got any uh, Christmas movies downloaded on your iPad for, for a quick viewing uh, on the way down? <laughs> I don't know how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, this is... I don't have an iPad, and I, and I don't know how to download anything onto my computer, so no. I, I, I was I was thinking that you and Darren Pang's wives were, were getting you guys all organized and all set up. You got your, your lunchbox with some juices and a couple movies ready to go so that you guys can easily watch, be entertained on the flight home and not have to worry about it. Well, I, I do know one thing. I have popcorn. That's true. You do. <laughs> Thank you kindly. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you're welcome. Anything for my, my great teammates. And yeah. 
Thank you and for the cards. It's going to go to good use on the plane ride. Oh, excellent, excellent. All right, pal. We'll save travels down to St. Louis. We'll talk to you tomorrow, and uh, a Merry Christmas from the United Center. Yep, let's finish this off before the break in the right fashion, huh? All right, sounds good. Talk to you, pal. Thanks, Joe. And it's Troy Murray. He and John Weidman on the call tonight as the Hawks fall to the Montreal Canadiens 5-2 tonight from the United Center. We're taking you up to 11 o'clock tonight, so we've got time for your calls or texts. 312-981-7200. This was a frustrating loss, especially with the way the Hawks have been playing lately. Um, Obviously not a complete turnaround for the season over the past couple of days, but definitely a lot of things in the better direction. I thought the win against Colorado was... Uh, definitely one of the most impressive wins of the year. Even the performance against Vancouver was better, and you thought that this would be the perfect way to cap off the homestand, almost cap off before the Christmas break and and head to St. Louis on a high note. But Montreal quickly picks up a couple of goals. Troy's right. The first goal that they scored, Mitchell Stevens on the redirection. That's a good goal. It's, it's, I I don't want to call it, non-preventable, but it's not Peter Mrazek's fault. Just a, a high shot coming from the right point, and Stevens gets a stick on it, and it flutters its way past Peter Mrazek, and all of a sudden Montreal's on the board. They got some life, and they're able to pick up the next two goals rather quickly. Josh Anderson on the two-on-one, and uh, later on Slavkowski, Slavkowski giving Montreal the lead, but once again you see where a breakdown can just lead to a high-quality chance and a lot of times lead to a goal against this Blackhawks team because there are better matchups often against this Blackhawks roster, and mistakes are going to be exposed. We've talked about this a lot. We've we've pointed out how this has happened a lot. Uh, but I don't think you can take away the Hawks' start tonight. I think they still put up a strong finish towards the third period. I know they had no goals to show for it, but I didn't see a a lack of fight towards the very end. Maybe a a little bit of a lack of structure, but let's face it, it's a much different game for this team when they're trailing compared to when they're leading. Uh, Let's go to the phone lines, and we'll start with Mark and Palatine that uh, seems to be a little frustrated with all the absences that the Hawks have been dealing with. Go ahead, Mark. You're on WGN. Hi, guys. How you doing? Good. Yeah, long, long time listener of the show. I like it. I just uh, was trying to get your insight on, uh, you know, once we get some of these players back and, um, you know, kind of orchestrate the lines in terms of, you know, the right pairings. Uh, you know, maybe a little far-fetched, but I'm hoping maybe we can make a little playoff run to playing 500 hockey by the end of the year. All right, Mark. Well, thank you very much. Um, I, I think your, your hopes and your wishes are, are very optimistic. Um, I, I'm just trying to present that in a reasonable way, but I think you're absolutely right about the absences that they've had to deal with. I mean, this has been a really rough time for Luke Richardson to construct this lineup in its best way with missing so many guys. I mean, we talked about it on the pregame show. With the win against Colorado, which was Lucas Reichel's probably best game of the year, you saw how much different this team looks, how deeper the offense is when he is able to click. Because you're no longer relying on on just one guy and Connor Bedard, and you're no longer relying on on just kind of one line. It, it pushes Philip Kurishev down, and then maybe you get a little bit more stability on the second line, and you have been relying more on the third line. So it's it is a little crazy, but it, it's a whole different dynamic offensively when one guy is clicking, and that's just when one guy is performing well, not even just being present. 
Let's also point out that the Hawks are missing Taylor Hall for the rest of the year. They're, they don't have their best defenseman right now in Seth Jones. They finally got Kevin Korchinski back. They finally get Jared Tenorti back. So you get a little offense back on your defensive side of things. You get a little uh, strength and size in Jared Tenorti. They also are without Alex Vlasic. I mean, there's a lot of pivotal pieces right now that the Hawks are missing. Oh, by the way, this is the second year of a rebuild, and they're already relying on a ton of youth. So it, it's hard to judge this season when the main goal of this year is to try and, and just build good team camaraderie and build good structure and build a good base foundation. And a lot of that is being relied on the young guys. And a lot of that is being relied on the young guys who are replacing some of the veteran pieces. It's just, it's been such a difficult year for Luke Richardson to really get his feet in the sand and like figure out what he's got with this roster because there's been so many shortcomings. It's, it's like rolling a ball up a hill and every five steps it rolls down another 10 feet and you got to go back and, and start pushing again. It's, it's, it's been very tough. Uh, let's go to the phone lines again. We'll go to Devin. I think this is our guy, Devin, who calls in every day. Uh, how important is Seth Jones? I think very important. Devin, what do you think? Uh, I think a game like today really shows how important Seth Jones is, regardless if Hawks fans like him or not. I understand that the trade didn't make sense at the time, and it still doesn't either uh, now. But today is a game that shows how important his, his presence is on the blue line with how, how much time he eats up. But I think it's fair to say that you know it, it, his impact on the team was uh, it, it was missed today. All right, Devin, thank you very much again. If you'd like to join us, three one two nine eight one seventy two hundred. I agree with Devin. Um, Seth Jones is is the Blackhawks' best defenseman, and if you take a look at it, Kevin Korchinski played the most minutes tonight. Tonight was his first game back in over two weeks. That's a 19-year-old in his first year in the NHL. This is this was Kevin Korchinski's. I don't have the exact numbers on it, but I mean, this was what his 25th career NHL game. He played the most minutes. That's what they're missing in Seth Jones. They're missing their top power play or their top quarterback on the top power play unit. They're missing a guy that just does all the little things right and keeps the puck in the zone and and can just provide so much stability for this team. And they don't have them right now. We're not quite sure when the Hawks are going to get them back. That That is a huge loss. So I think Devin pulls out a good point. It was kept in by Barron of the Habs. He dumps it over to the near side, taken away by Crevier. Head to Blackwell. Blackwell breaking into the Canadian zone. Spinner ram on the slot. Grabs the puck. Leaves it for Dickinson. Shoots. He scores! A career-high 10th goal for Jason Dickinson. And what a spectacular play by Colin Blackwell to set him up. A little spinorama between the circles. He pulled the puck to his forehand and opted to drop it off to a wide-open Jason Dickinson for an easy goal. It's now 2-0 Hawks. It really was a sensational play by Colin Blackwell. Just getting off to the races, catching a great headman pass over into Montreal's zone, and then not only to have the skill set to stop on a dime and break off the defender, but just the decision-making to do that, and then the spinorama, and then kind of handle the puck, and then realize Dickinson is coming down. I mean, he's, he his return 
He's brought effort, he's brought energy, and he's brought an elevated skill level than what we saw last year. It's really been impressive, fun, and just so great to see. He's, he's such an easy guy to talk to in the dressing room. He got real emotional earlier on this year with all the setbacks he had to deal with after trying to recover from sports hernia surgery and then had to miss training camp and then had to miss the opening day roster and and he just has fully taken advantage of his return, and you hope he's okay. Again, he went down on the far end of the ice towards the end of the game as he was trying to get around uh, Caden Gooley, and uh, it looks like Luke Richardson is talking with the media right now, so we'll get that sound later on. Hopefully some answers there. I'm Joe Brand. This is the Blackhawks postgame show. We're taking you up to 11 o'clock tonight after a 5-2 loss to the Montreal Canadiens. Colin Blackwell is our player with the most heart tonight, which is sponsored by Northwestern Medicine. Northwestern Medicine is home to the state's, state's leading heart and vascular program, top ranked for 16 straight years by U.S. News and World Report. We'll take your calls. We'll take your texts. 312 981 7,200. Ben has been hanging on hold for quite a while and wants to talk about the takeaways. Go ahead, Ben. You're on 720 WGN. Yeah, Joe. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Big fan of your show. My dad and I are on our way home from the uh, Hawks game. Love the energy in the building tonight. The one stat that really stood out to us was the takeaway stat uh, that was up on the board. Uh, at one point in the third period, it was something like 16 or 17 to 1 where the Blackhawks had given away 16, 17 times. I don't know where that number ended up, but that's just a massive difference in takeaways that really shows the lack of you know, possession of the puck. And, candidly, I'm not sure how they fixed that because uh, it felt like they were just dumping the puck to get a line change. But that's, that's a big problem they got to fix if they want to you know, stay in these games. All right, Ben. Well, thank you very much. Safe travels to you and your dad coming home from the game. Uh, it's a good point. I, I do want to get into it. Um, I'm looking at the box score right now, and I don't know if, if maybe you misread on the video board or, or maybe the video board was wrong at the time, uh, but it looks like what they finished, the Hawks had 14 giveaways, 13 takeaways. Montreal had two giveaways, five takeaways. Troy Murray's been kind of bugged by the box scores too lately, just where the shots and blocked shots aren't really matching up from each team. Uh, but, Ben, you bring up a good point. Uh, takeaways and giveaways are huge for this team because, once again, when the Hawks make mistakes, a lot of times they're getting exposed big time from other teams just because of the difference of the other team's roster, how they're able to to just capitalize on those types of things. I almost think it's it's like a chicken or the egg situation, right? It, it's not... Yes, it, it's it's pretty obvious that the Hawks will be playing better hockey when they give up the puck less and when they are are in more control of it. But but you're right. There's a difference of um, dumping the puck into the opponent's zone just for a line change. This was something that Troy Murray had talked about earlier this year. That w- when you do that, you still have to do that with intention. You still have to be sending the puck in the right spot at the right area, at the right time, like knowing why you're dumping it. Don't just dump it just to dump it because if you dump it and then Montreal picks it up right away or, or is able to pick it up in transition, which is even worse, or are able to pick it up on the far side and all of a sudden you know, they're, they're controlling the neutral zone, which we've seen the Hawks struggle with a lot this year, that can be almost just as damaging because then you've got the opponent's team in motion to create something offensively. And I, I think that's what we've seen a lot from this Hawks team and the Hawks team's demise this year. Uh, I think that's what you saw a lot less of in the Colorado game. Just a whole bunch more structure, 
Just everyone being on the same page. And listen, it doesn't have to be crisp, perfect passing every single time. It just has to be, you know, the right idea. Are, are, are we pushing a puck to the neutral zone to try to get it to a teammate? And is that the right idea where there's three Canadians that are in within arm's reach to, to break up the play? Or are you sending it to that player for an intended purpose because it's it's Lucas Reichel or, or Connor Bedard or somebody that can gain a little extra speed and then all of a sudden create pressure into the opponent's zone. It's it's very finicky and it can be very strategic, but if you kind of just do it willy-nilly, it can backfire on you as well. And uh, my goodness, uh, the feed from Connor Bedard today to set up Ryan Donato, the first goal of the game that gave the Hawks a one nothing lead. I tweeted it out that Bedard just still always finds the guy. It, it doesn't matter where he is. It doesn't matter where the puck is. It doesn't matter how many guys are on him. It doesn't even matter what angle his body is at. He's going to get the puck to the right guy almost every time. He's now picked up three assists in the Hawks' last five goals. Um, it, it was a span of three of a span of four goals um, before the Dickinson goal. But the point is, it's not just his scoring ability. It's his setting up ability as well. In the Colorado game, it was the feed to Zaitsev that later was a one-timer that went off the post that Donato cashed in. So Bedard technically got the secondary goal, but that really does not find its way in the back of the net if it's not for Connor Bedard. And his ability to, let's see, I think he, he had the puck. And we're, again, we're talking the last game against Colorado, the first goal of the last game. He had the puck in the near left corner, and he shot it all the way up to Zaitsev on the far side in the right point. And I even said at the time, like, a lot of times you don't like that pass. You don't want to see uh, low to high across ice with the possibility of just, you know, bringing the puck further away from the net. But in that instance, it's the right, it's the right idea, it's the right move because Zaitsev is just flying in from the neutral zone. You know he's going to tee it up, and you know that Bedard can get the puck to him. And then later on, him setting up Lucas Reichel when they're coming down on a little bit of a two-on-one. It was just the right play, the right pass at the right time. And then you saw it again tonight. He's along the boards. I don't know if his back was completely towards. Uh, the main open area of the ice, but it, it, he was at least on his side. And the fact that he just he kind of saw Donato coming in from the neutral zone, fed him Donato, and, and give credit to Ryan Donato, too. Really nice move around the Montreal defender and uh, got it past Caden Primo. Again, it, it was a great shot in the arm for this team. Ben's right. The energy at the United Center tonight was once again great. This is my favorite game of the year, by the way, the home for the holidays game, the the last home game before Christmas. There's just such a fun, cool vibe. I think I think a lot of it has to do with everybody's getting off work and they're having a good time and they're able to take in some drinks in a Hawks game. And, and let's face it, the Hawks have been playing better lately. So all of those things are running together and creating a good vibe. Unfortunately, the Hawks... Unable to pull it out tonight. Uh, taking a look at some more texts. And again, if you'd like to join us, 312-981-7200. From the 608 area code, good Lord, what an embarrassing loss. What's management doing? Where's the defenseman? I sure miss Brower, Boland, and Bickle, the killer bees, Dexter and Bolingbrook. Uh, well, Dexter, as we said earlier, a lot of guys are missing due to the injury bug. Let's see. I mean, Seth Jones might be the only guy. Well, Seth Jones and Alex Vlasic, and honestly, that's been your top defensive pairing now 
for the past couple of weeks, maybe the past couple of months, uh, we've said that Seth Jones is the best defenseman you got. Alex Vlasic's probably been the most consistent defenseman you've got, and that's saying a lot for a young 22-year-old in his second year in the NHL. And then those two especially, just finding a lot of good chemistry with each other. And Jared Tenorti playing in his first game in over two weeks. Kevin Korchinski playing in his first game in over two weeks after the rough loss of his father. I mean, he's been going through so much. Uh, it, this game was not just on the defense. There, there's a whole lot of loss or a whole lot of blame to go around this loss. But, um, again, it, it comes down to this team still needs to play a full 60 minutes and play some of their best hockey for a full 60 minutes, and it's very tough for this team to do. Uh, we got a text from, this is a new one, Ping Pong in Peoria. And this person texted in recently, and I'm sorry I never got to it. Joe, since the Hawks have a game tomorrow, are you able to find out the losing percentage of teams that play back-to-back games, especially when one team needs to travel by air? And add to the equation when the team on their home reek had one or more days off, the NHL should get their computers to make better scheduling. Well, Ping Pong, that's a lot of thoughts. Uh, I appreciate it. I'll do my best tomorrow. I can't promise you that I'm going to have an answer for you. Uh, I agree. The NHL scheduling is a little chaotic. However, I don't think it only threatens the Hawks. I don't think the Hawks are the only team that have to deal with this. Every team in the NHL has to deal with back-to-backs. Every team has to deal with back-to-backs and travel and uh, travel by air as well. It just it's it's kind of inevitable with the way that the schedule is set up these days, especially after the All-Star break, they cram in so many games in such a short amount of time. It's it, you're just kind of at the mercy of to how the scheduling is and and listen, the players union and the NHL, I mean, they, they get together on these things. I know it's not every year, but uh, they have conversations about these things, and, and everyone is in full agreement whether, you know, I, I don't think either side ever gets 100% of what they want, but um, they're in agreement with what is ended up being decided. Um, otherwise, you get a lockout, which we don't even want to talk about. But, uh, yeah, it, it's... I'm not ready to blame anything on the Blackhawks' schedule. We kind of did a lot of that at the beginning of the year when the Hawks had their first five games on the road against some really heavy-hitting teams. Okay, if if we want to point out the flaws in the scheduling, yeah, I really didn't understand why the Hawks had to play their first four games out east against some really heavy opponents and then fly all the way to Denver to wrap up their season-opening road trip and take on the Avalanche. That clearly affected the Hawks even though beating Colorado in their home opener is quite a long shot in itself. But still, that's that's quite a tall mountain to climb uh, if you're the Chicago Blackhawks in their second year of a rebuild. But even back then, they, they were able to have a lot of the big pieces that they were figuring to rely on a lot this year in Taylor Hall and Corey Perry and a healthy Seth Jones. And I believe, yeah, Alex Lassick was there at the time. Um, so it's... It is rough for this team. The inconsistency is definitely a big factor. I, I I understand why fans are frustrated that, you know, oh, well, we saw a great performance against the Colorado Avalanche a couple nights ago and really took the wind out of the sails of Colorado. You know, why can't we see that again against Montreal? But it, it's going to take a lot. Um, 
for that to happen. Uh, from the 630 area code, hi, Joe. Thank you for pointing out that an unretrieved dumping can be considered as a giveaway. Keep up the good work. Merry Christmas, Doc. I wonder if that's someone that we all might know. Um, yeah, and uh, just a, a fun environment here at the United Center. Again, the, the last home game before Christmas is always a very fun one. And uh, I continue to give credit to the Hawks fans for being the most engaged fans in hockey. Just very aware with what's going on in the game. Uh, very aware with when the Hawks succeed, when they're not succeeding. I mean, you're you're always in it. You're always there to, to celebrate a, a penalty that's killed or to deliver criticism when a period is played poorly. But, I mean, hopefully this is just another minor setback because we have seen a lot of one step forward, two steps back. But I, I will say for the past month or so, maybe two and a half, three weeks, we've seen more of two steps forward, one step back. So it'll be interesting to see how the Hawks respond tomorrow against the St. Louis Blues. If you remember, last time these two teams matched up, the Hawks were hosting St. Louis here at the United Center. They played one of their better games of the year. A little bit later, Craig Berube got fired. Um, so the Hawks are starting to have that effect on teams that they were having last year. It's not every game. It's not every home game. But, but you're starting to see that a little bit more. Because if you remember before last season, Luke Richardson was talking about, you know, I understand our, our roster isn't going to blow people away, but we still want to be a date on the schedule where the other team is saying, oh, man, we got to go through Chicago. They're, they're a hardworking team. They're, they're going to give us a rough night. And we've seen glimpses of that. We just haven't seen it as consistently as we did last year or as we'd hoped this year. But there are a, a lot of reasons why it's not quite happening that way this season. Anderson over the hot line, down the right wing, cuts into the slot, fires a backhand glove save is made by Mrazek, and he'll hold on. It's a difficult save for Peter because he had to wait Anderson out on the shot, but he got the leather on it for sure. Ended up being 24 saves for the Hawks goaltender tonight and Peter Morazic, and that save of the game is sponsored by ComEd Financial Assistance Programs. I'm Joe Brand. This is the Blackhawks postgame show, taking you up to 11 o'clock tonight after a 5-2 loss to the Montreal Canadiens. We'll take your calls. We'll take your texts. 312-91-7200. One other note from our guy, Doc. Uh, one more point, we hope Reichel is the next Dabrinkit or Panarin or Teravainen, not the next Doc or even Kubelik. Also, let's not overestimate the expected return of Athens. CU. He's modeled a number of uniforms and is a half-point-a-game player historically. Yeah, good point, Doc. I didn't bring up Andreas Athens CU at all, uh, but you're absolutely right. That's another just NHLer, right? Uh, that's a guy that's been around in the league, understands how to, as Troy Murray mentioned earlier today, play with a lead or play when the team is down by a goal. Um, of course you want to see Lucas Reichel become like a Dabrinkit Panarin or Tara Vinen. Um, I, think, I think the Blackhawks have very high expectations for Lucas Reichel, and, and I think yesterday, or I should say the last Hawks game against Colorado, is just another example of how you got to be more patient with these things and not just jump to conclusions when he, he has a a rough start to the season, and don't get me wrong, I understand about that frustration. I thought Lucas Reichel was going to hit the ground running this year. It hasn't quite happened, but we're starting to see a little bit of a better sign with him on this line with Bedard and Donato, even though maybe tonight wasn't as great as 
the game against Colorado, but I, I do think it allows him to play his game a little bit more naturally. Jason Dickinson chatted with the media. Let's hear from him. Um, they pushed and we didn't. I don't know. Uh, watching clips, just uh, feeling it. Felt like they got a couple goals and then we sat back and maybe got on our heels and then the third period we just didn't really do anything uh we didn't get in their zone we didn't create anything we didn't get enough shots so uh it's hard to win games when they control the whole third period and you're down a goal how frustrating you sitting in to try and, and string together a little bit here you guys come off a great game against colorado and off to a good start here yeah it's really frustrating um intentions are there we want to do the right things we want to we want to win, we want to battle, but um, the execution isn't there all the time. Um, comes with being a young team, but uh, at a certain point you just have to figure it out. It's simple as that. Um, you either figure it out or you don't, and um, time will tell whether what we're doing here is, is working. I think you're on pace for 25 goals now. Are you doing anything different than you have been in years past, or, or what is what do you think? Um, I don't think so. Um, I, I've been talking to Keener about some offensive things. I've been trying to think more offensive. Um, so maybe I'm, I am subconsciously thinking about it a little bit more, how to attack a little bit better. Um, but I, I don't want to let my my D my D side of the game slide. So that's always priority one. Can you talk Blackwell. about the intensity that uh, Blackwell has had since he's come back? Uh, you know, the shorthanded rush tonight, mm-hmm. your, your goal. Yeah. Um, yeah, Blackie's brought a lot of uh, intensity, emotion. Uh, I think he was almost 300 days between games, so um, there's a lot of built-up excitement, energy that he, uh, he already brings energy to games. And on top of that much time out, you know, he's, he's raring to go. He's itching for it. So um, it's contagious. Um, it's easy to, to build off of his energy. Uh, Jason Dickinson scored his 10th goal of the season. That is a season high, a career high, excuse me, in a season for Jason Dickinson. And that was in 32 games. He is really off to a fantastic start this year, even though we're inching in on the halfway point of the NHL season. Uh, 312-981-7200. If you've got a call or a text from the 630 area code, we are seeing a Blackhawk team that really misses Jonathan Taves, his leadership, and in the face-off circle. Uh, listen, okay, really quick, face-off numbers, 57% to 43%, because that, that's just how my brain works, um, in favor of Montreal. Here's the thing. It, it's kind of an apples and oranges situation. If the Blackhawks had the current Jonathan Taves, the one that's not playing right now, I don't know how much different this team is. Of course he's a great leader. Of course he's a Blackhawks legend. Of course no one's ever going to forget what 19 did here. The Blackhawks do have some good leaders right now, and the front office is very committed to turning the page of leadership within this organization and looking for the next leader for the Hawks. If you live in this hypothetical world, too, where let's say we we pick up a a 23-year-old Jonathan Taves with all the success he had with the Blackhawks at that time and drop him into this team, I mean, he, he... all his great qualities, of course on the ice, but off the ice, too, come from 
playing on a great Blackhawks team with so many great leaders that he grew up learning from, like Seabrook and Keith and Sharp and, and the success that the team had, and even Joel Quinville. So it's, it's not like one player or one aspect is just going to flip a switch and turn this entire team around. And that's what a rebuild is. It's rebuilding everything. It's not just going from losing to winning. It's, it's so many things that make a well-oiled machine that is a good hockey team successful again. And I, I don't know. I, I'm not in that dressing room. So I don't know what the, what the leadership is, is missing or not missing right now. And I like the 630 area codes text. We need 10 Felinos. I'm not going to argue with you there. Nick Felino is, man, what, what an amazing guy and leader and player he has been. And uh, the Hawks knew what they were getting in him, but I think he's even exceeded that in his short time here in Chicago. And then uh, one other note from the 608, don't forget Michael Froelich. Yeah, could never forget Michael Froelich. Blues in. Kairou straight away. Butch Navich whips on a shot. Kairou's there. He scores! They were chasing a grease pig in the offensive zone. And Kairou put it in the corral. 1-0 Blues. 15-10 to go. Second period as the Blues score first. Chasing a greased pig. Only Chris Kerber, 101 ESPN. That is our next game preview, which is sponsored by Plumbers 911 Chicago, where they do it right the first time. That's where the Hawks are going to be tomorrow evening. And the old stomping grounds of Darren Pang, St. Louis, Missouri. 7 o'clock puck drop of 6.30. FanDuel Sportsbook pregame show right here on 720 WGN. We're recapping a 5-2 loss for the Blackhawks against the Montreal Canadiens. But a whole lot going on in the NHL tonight, even though there were only three games. Oh, the drama up in Detroit. Patrick Kane scored the first two goals as Detroit had a 5-1 lead over the Philadelphia Flyers after the first period. Well, the game went to a shootout, and guess who won it? Here's the trump card. Patrick Kane picking it up. He could end it right here. Makes his way in. Slows it down like he always does. Fake shoot. Scores! And that'll do it! He is dynamic. Patrick Kane, what a night for him. Two goals and assists. And gets the shootout deciding goal. And the Red Wings win 2 to nothing in the shootout. And the final score in a wild one. The Red Wings 7 and Philadelphia 6. Ken Cal of 97.1 FM, the ticket. Patrick Kane scored the first two goals, his third and fourth of the season. His first shootout goal with the Detroit Red Wings as the Red Wings fans started throwing their hats onto the ice as if it was a hat trick for Patrick Kane. Uh, it kind of was in a way, but, uh, yep, showtime still lighting it up, only this time in Motor City as the Red Wings win that game in a shootout. The Edmonton Oilers with a victory against the New York Rangers today as uh, a 4-3 winner, Evander Kane picking up uh, another goal. Zach Hyman is 19th of the year. He's now on pace for 52 on the season. And the Winnipeg Jets take down the Boston Bruins 5-1 up in Canada. Blackhawks Hockey has been sponsored by Plumbers 911 Chicago, where they do it right the first time. Your Chicago and Northwest Indiana Hyundai dealers, United Airlines, Northwestern Medicine, and Sitco. When you start with Sitco, you're good to go. Big thanks to all the help back at the WGN studios, our production crew of Patrick Hennessy and Michael DeLinardis. They were led by our captain today, Dan Long, here at the United Center. Jack Heinrich was our producer, our reporter rather. Paul Zerang, our Hall of Fame engineer. John Weideman had the play-by-play. And Troy Murray 
with the color. For everyone that I mentioned, I'm Joe Brand. Once again, the final score, 5-2 in favor of Montreal.